Welcome back to the Official Jets Podcast. We are presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. Eric Allen and Leger Deuzable. Deuce, how was your weekend? It was good. You know, the Jets played on Thursday, so we didn't have, you know, a show earlier in the week. Actually, we did. We, we did knock out a show. But it, it's been good. You know, I was able to go back home for the first time in three months in Florida for just about, you know, two days just to check on the house, make sure everything was good. But, you know, I, I feel like I brought the cold weather with me to Florida. It was in the 60s. And oh, I was not come a, on, dudes. You complaining about the 60s? In Florida, yes, I'm complaining about the 60s because, like, I left the cold to get away from the cold, not to enjoy more cold when I got to Florida. But all in all, it was it was a good little, you know, reset button, a nice little weekend to get away. Uh, beautiful here this week. And yeah. we'll have to see what the forecast is for the Jets, Bills, 1 o'clock at MetLife Stadium. As we sit here, it is Tuesday morning about 10 a.m. All we know is both Mike mm. White and Zach Wilson are expected back at practice. Yep. Zach Wilson will only play once he is 100%. Do you think Mike White is in a line to make his third consecutive start? Yeah, it seems like it's trending for Mike White to get his third consecutive start, and I, I and I agree with that. I believe unless Zach Wilson is 100% healthy, and people tend to forget this was supposed to be a two- to four-week injury. I think he's only in week three right now, yep. but hasn't practiced yet. So you don't want to roll a guy out there coming off a knee injury without only a few days of practice. So unless he's 100% healthy, I don't believe you put Zach Wilson out there because it's hard to evaluate somebody until they're 100% healthy. So I believe Mike White will start this week. We'll see if, you know, Zach Allen will dress or will it be Joe Flacco as a backup or, or Josh Johnson who showed really well versus the Colts in this past Thursday night game. But I believe Mike White deserves a chance to start. And because Zach Wilson isn't 100% healthy yet, he shouldn't start until he is. All right. The beauty of this podcast and the reason you should subscribe, rate, yep. and review is we bridge the previous week to this week and we get you ready for the upcoming ball game and of course that is the Jets and the Bills and last week it was the Jets and the Colts um what do you make of Mike White going out early in that ball game because he was so he looked well on his way to an other big performance because he had thrown for nearly close to 100, 100 yards, yards in that first quarter, and, and he goes out drives. on a touchdown pass. Yeah, just in two drives, almost throws for 100 yards. Answers the score from the Colts to get it to 7-7, seven to seven, and you just felt for the kid. You saw his expression on TV on the, on his face when he was trying to grip the ball and throw it, and it was going straight into the ground. He kind of did like the, the home alone thing where he put his hand over his head like, what is going on? So you felt for the kid because I've been in that position, right, where you feel like this is your time to shine. It, it happened to me. In my fifth year, when I had signed my first free agent deal, it was a one-year prove-it deal. I tore my pec, so I was done for the year. And it happened on the first third down of the third preseason game. For people that don't know, that's kind of like the dress rehearsal game for the season. So I was sacking the quarterback and tore my pick, and I was like, why me? So I, I, I just, you know, felt, felt for, you know, Mike White at the time, but it seems like he was all right by the fourth quarter. felt like he got some of that feeling back and looks like he's on par to potentially start. So he still has another opportunity to go out there and put out good film. I'm not saying the Jets would have beat the Colts, but how much does it, how much does it, how much does it change the rhythm of a game yeah. when the guy who had taken first team reps all week who's obviously in a flow and playing so well, distributing the ball over the place, goes out because Josh Johnson got it going, but it took him a little while. Yeah. Well, also, right, the team believes in him. So that's that's another thing. So when, like, your leader at the time goes down, it kind of sucks the air out of the team, not just the offense, but the defense as well. And we see how – we saw how Mike White united that team the week before versus Cincinnati Bengals. So – like, everybody going into that game having a lot of faith and belief in him, and then he goes down after two series, you're like, dang, like, what next? How many more injuries do we the Jets are going to sustain throughout the season? But, you know, you're a professional. You have to bounce back and play well. And I thought, like you said, Josh Johnson took him a little while to get going, but once he did, showed really well, was efficient with the offense, was able to throw the ball down the field over 300 yards in, what, three quarters? And then uh, what, three touchdowns? Three touchdowns. So, I mean, that's, that's big-time football. When you know he didn't get any reps, just kind of like Mike White didn't get any reps in New England week, Josh Johnson probably didn't get any reps the Indianapolis Colts week. Plus, it was a short week, so that's compounded with that, right? You not only didn't get any reps, but it's a short, shorter time to get ready to play a team. And one of those touchdowns went to tight end Ryan Griffin, who got in the end zone for the first time since 2019. Griff is going to stop by 
the podcast here momentarily. Uh, so as we look ahead, Zach Wilson, it, his number one receiver all along was Corey Davis. Yep. A lot of people say Wilson would get locked in on Corey mm -hmm. Davis a little bit too much. Isn't it interesting how everything has changed now because you've seen different quarterbacks and the ball distribution is going all over the place. And Corey Davis is going to add to this offense. I'm not saying you get better when Corey Davis is out of the lineup, but it, it's very ironic that yeah. the offense took off without Wilson and Corey in the lineup. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's because both quarterbacks that have come in have executed their offense. I'm not going to say flawlessly, but they've they've done what is required in this offense. And we talked about this earlier in the season. This is a timing-based offense, and the quarterbacks have to trust where the receiver is going to be. The receivers have to trust the quarterback is going to put the ball where it needs to be put. And then also – like the offense is trusted on the quarterback, knowing where to go with the football, not just taking the shots down the field, taking the underneath route, being efficient with the ball. We saw time and time again, both Josh Johnson and Mike White finding Keelan Cole void in the zone, mm -hmm. right, on little hitch routes, finding Jamerson Crowder void in the zone, finding Michael Carter in the flat or, or angle routes, finding Ty Johnson on angle routes, and then Elijah Moore, who was taken off the last two weeks, being able to find him or not only through the middle of the field because he's lined up at slot, lined up on the outside, but being able to find him on some deep out routes. So it's all about the quarterback being efficient with the ball, knowing where to go with the football. And we've talked about the distribution. Ten different pass catchers in the Cincinnati Bengals game, 11 in the Indianapolis Coast game. That's proven that the quarterbacks are not locking into anybody. They're just taking what the defense is giving them, distributing the ball to everybody, and whoever is open is open. That's where the re goes. That's where they throw the football. Okay, let's go to the other side of the ball. You played defensive line. What are you saying to those guys if you're in that room this week? Because yeah. they did not play up to their standard against the Colts. Yeah, this this defense, and I've said this from day one because I played in this defense with Robert Sala in 2017, it's predicated off the defensive line creating havoc. But that's creating havoc and doing it within the scheme. And we saw a lot of this Thursday night versus the Colts. Guys were – out of their gaps. Guys, I think, were just really trying to make plays. And even Jared Davis came out and said he was trying to make a play on that, you know, that long touchdown round to run to Jonathan Taylor where he didn't, you know, hit his gap where he was supposed to hit. He was trying to, you know, make a play because in that game, a lot of times the offensive line was getting to, you know, C.J. Mosley, getting to Jared Davis without even being touched by the defensive line. So that's what I talk, talked about with guys getting two gap. If you're your, your nose and you got the A-gap, you can't get, you know, cut off by the guard and the center or cut off by the guard and the tackle. You have to be able to stay in your gap while aggressively getting off the football. And I, and I felt like the defensive line probably didn't have their best game at all. And they'll tell you that, too, as far as, you know, block recognition and playing blocks, getting off blocks and helping their linebackers out. Too many times the center and guards were getting to C.J. Mosley and Jared Davis untouched, so that's going to hurt you in the run game when that happens. The beauty of the scheme, as you guys have stated over and over, is that it's simple. It allows you to go out and play fast. Yeah. With that being said, after tough performance against the Colts, after three of the last four games, I think you would say, yeah. defensively, You've been staggered. You've been yeah. against the ropes. You don't change anything schematically at this point. It's more fundamentals, or what are you doing? It's fundamentals and execution, yeah. right? Just realizing it, and I talked about this with Frank off the camera. Um, even the defensive ends, right, a lot of those zone schemes, when we're getting off the ball, and we saw this play versus Tennessee Titans, I believe it was in overtime, with JFM knocked the tight end into Derrick Henry. and got Like, when you're setting an edge, you have to set a vertical edge. You can't just shock and shed a guy because if you do that, you're opening up the C-gap, and that creates canvases for the running back. So what you want to do is you want to knock the tight end up the field, set a vertical edge. That way he has to either bow out and bubble or he has to make an aggressive cutback right away. And too many times in the Colts game, guys would knock the tight end back for half a second and just get off the, the block. But when you do that, you open up gaps and you open up canvases for the running back to run. So you could essentially create a seam for the running back. So it's all about fundamentals and the defense is on a string. Everybody has to work together. Like mm. the end has to set the edge. The the front side three technique has to knock back the guard on a reach block. The backside nose has to play that scoop block. He can't just let the center just get off free and, and, and hit this hit the uh, linebackers. And then that backside end has to play the cutback. So it's all about working together and the, the fundamentals and technique just wasn't there for the defensive line this last week, specifically in the run game. But something that, that hasn't been talked about enough is the loss to Bryce Huff. Like, I don't think a lot of people have talked about that. Like, Bryce Huff was coming off the edge 
and bringing it, not just in the run game, but in the pass game too. And that was a major loss, especially when you already talk about losing Carl Lawson for the season. So it's really tested that depth at the defensive end position. And I just think that's something that needs to be said because Bryce Huff was, was having a really good year for a second-year player. What's the level of concern with the explosives that are happening right now? And everybody to a man says, Marcus May is an eraser at the safety position. What's the transition now for this team? Yeah, it's it's a tough transition. You go out, your heart goes out to Marcus May because everybody knew what the situation was. You know, you got franchise, and that's why I'm always a big proponent of you know players getting what they're due before an injury like that mm -hmm. happens. So I just feel for him. But they you know one person is not going to be able to take over and do what Marcus May did. Right, this is a veteran guy. High football IQ, knows what to do. He's like the quarterback of the secondary. So a guy like Ashton Davis, to, to me, Thursday played his best game of the season. And people tend to forget. And I had to remind myself that this kid missed all of the offseason, missed all the training camp. So it's about week four or five of him playing. So this is about the time where he's really starting to get in his groove and, and, and feel good playing football. And besides the one angle that he took that was bad versus Jonathan Taylor long run, other than that, this kid was was playing with his hair on fire. You're talking about forcing two fumbles, yeah. with, which the Jets have to jump on. Like, those are game changers right there, especially after we turned the ball over when Darius Leonard knocked the ball out of Ty Johnson's hand. You would like to get one or two of those back on defense. But what a play by yeah, Leonard. Yeah, for sure. But then also, Ashton Davis being able to – you talk about being the racers. There's so many times that he was one on one and made game saving tackles, a touchdown tackle. So that's that's a guy that's gonna have to step up. We don't know if it's Sherrod Neesman is gonna start next to him or, or Gerard Dave uh, Wilson will start next to him. But either way, even though he's a second year player, he becomes the veteran and the leader in that secondary. So he's a guy that's gonna have to step up when it comes to the communication aspect of the secondary. Let's go up a level and talk about Jared Davis. You mentioned him before. Don't we have to be a little bit patient with him considering everything that he went through going down against the Green Bay Packers yeah. in the preseason? He's just getting his legs underneath him right now. And then it's also, don't you have to familiarize yourself with the eyes and the speed once you get back in the lineup? Yeah, definitely. And I felt like he, he for his first week back, when like eight weeks versus Cincinnati game, he actually played pretty well for a guy that hadn't played. Now he split sometimes. With, with uh, Quincy Williams in that game, and, and Robert Sala came into the game saying that because they wanted to make sure he had his legs up under him. But the worst thing that can happen for a guy that's coming off an ankle injury is for him to have a short week and have to play another game. So yep. I think people tend to forget that. Like, he still has to trust that that ankle is 100% healthy. So he plays a physical game for Cincinnati, and then he has to play a really physical game versus the, the, you know, the Indianapolis Colts on a short week. I think anytime you're coming off an injury, that's that's a tall task for for a guy to, to, to take most of the reps in the game, especially coming off a major injury where you miss eight to nine weeks of football, trying to get acclimated back to the speed of the game. And then, like you talk about, the eyes, knowing what to see, knowing how to react. It's going to take him a while. Hopefully this will be his third week back playing, and he's been 10 days. His ankle will have, you know, if he had any, like, residual effects of, you know, maybe some soreness or anything, hopefully that's gone out the way and he's ready to play versus the Buffalo Bills. Something's got to give this week because the Buffalo Bills totaled two field goals against the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars last week. We talk about the struggles the Jets have been having defensively. What does the film say when you watch the Buffalo Bills? Because they got a lot of talent on the offensive yeah. side of the ball and they still can explode at any point, but – on the surface, they're struggling with the fundamentals blocking people. Yeah. And Josh Allen is getting into trouble because they're not making the big plays down the field. Yeah, and we saw this in week one versus with them and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They like they were so hyped about this offense. Josh Allen had been just got paid. And they, you know, wanted to come out and throw the ball down the field, which they were they were routinely doing last year. Well, you know, Pittsburgh took that away, and instead of Josh Allen taking the underneath stuff, kind of like the Kansas City Chiefs, he was trying to force the ball down the field to Diggs and to, and to, to, um, to Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders, and it just wasn't there. And that's why they lost week one. Well, the last two weeks, I don't know what has happened, maybe because they went on the bye before the Miami game. They've just refused to run the football, and, and – and they actually were running at a, a decent rate compared to what they did last year. Like, last year, they didn't even try to run the football. But this year, they were actually coming into games with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and running the football effectively. Not Now, it was still like 65 35% pass run, you know, comparison. But last year, it literally was like 80-20. And it seems like the last two weeks, it's been back to 80-20. 
And I believe they ran it maybe three or four times in the first half versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. And they tried to make it a point the second half. They came out and ran it three straight times. And then I don't believe they only ran it like one, one, one or two times after that the rest of the game, which was astounding to me because they came out and ran it three times and got a first down. But yet they just refused to run the football. And it's, teams are forcing them to take the underneath stuff to run the football. And the last two weeks, they just have not been able to do that. And you talked about the miscues from Josh Allen. This is a guy that's had over 35 fumbles at the quarterback position since he's taken over as starter for the Buffalo Bills. So this is a guy that will be chancy with the football. And then when games are tight at the end of the game, he has been known to do some heroic stuff and turn the football over. And we saw that Sunday versus Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Is that the Jets' game plan? Just play some cover two, make sure nothing – over I mean, the top you wanna, with, with yeah. Jason and, and Sanders. And basically, I, I don't see any way, any path, unless Allen's getting moving on the ground where the Bills are going to sustain uh, rush success against you. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, right? They like to use him in the run game, but they haven't even done that. Like, and the thing is, when you only score six points, you don't get to the red zone. That's when he usually comes alive in the run game is in the red zone. Now, he did lead him in rushing. I believe he had 50 yards rushing that game, but that happened on two big scampers that he had. And that's where he also can hurt you. So, pass rush lanes will be a premium this week for the defensive line because this guy does have a cannon for an arm, but he also has the legs where he can, he can hurt you in the open field running the football. So, this is a team that, you know, they'll probably chart themselves and realize they didn't run the ball enough. But Zach Moss did go down in that game, so they might be short at the running back. I don't know how many times they feel comfortable running Devin, Devin Singletary since they're going to need him for most of the game if Moss cannot go Sunday versus the Jets. But this is a team that just has refused to run the football the last few weeks. And, and the results have shown, like the Miami game, they kind of escaped with the win. They didn't escape with a win last week versus Jacksonville Jaguars because they didn't run the football. And then Josh Allen turned the football over. But this is a team that I know they're going to come in, you know, with their hair on fire, try to fix this kind of like they did after the Pittsburgh week. They'll probably get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands really quick with some RPOs. Um, they tried to, you know, mitigate the run game by throwing some screens to Cole Beasley on some swing routes that Jacksonville was all on it. Didn't really work. But I guarantee they're going to, especially after what happened with the Jets this last week, they're going to try to at least semi established a run this week versus the Jets. Well, let's flip it to the other side of the ball. Let's go back to the offense. If it yeah. is indeed Mike White, this will be a premier challenge. We don't yeah. think of the Bills as a dominant defense, but they are a very good defense across yeah. the board. Yeah, they, they do what they do, and they do what they do well. Like they, they're, they're not sexy. They're not trying to do too much. They want you to have to matriculate the ball down the field, and they're daring you to do that for 8, 9, 10, 11 plays, and they feel like you're going to make a mistake. What they do is they rotate eight or nine defensive linemen. No defensive lineman takes over 50% of the snaps. They have a nice rotation there. At the linebacker position, they have two really good coverage linebackers, and, and Matt Milano and Trey, uh, Traymond Edwards, and those guys are great in coverage. And then we know what they have in the secondary, right, with White at the cornerback position, who's a shutdown corner. To me, the best safety tandem in all of football with Michael Hyde and jo Jordan Poyer. Mm -hmm. Levi Wallace is the other corner. But a guy the Jets should really attack is Saran Neal. He's, take, he's taken over since Taron Johnson got hurt last yeah. week. And, and Taron Johnson is – Yeah, Taron Johnson's a really good slot corner, one of the best slot corners in all of football. So he's a guy that the Jacksonville Jags, Jaguars routinely, you know, attacked and they had some success. So that's something I know Mike, you know, uh, Mike LaFleur and also, you know, Mike White are looking at on film like, how can we attack these guys? Because this, this is a team that's simple. They play cover two, cover two man. Sometimes in that cover two man, they'll drop – one of their safeties, whether it's Michael Hyde and Jordan Poyer. And then also on third and short, they'll go man coverage across the board. They'll have five or six guys at the line of scrimmage, but they'll drop out and also just only four-man rush. And then you'll see a guy like Tremaine Edwards be like the free dropper there. And that's where you have to be cognizant of if you're Mike White as far as knowing where to go with the football because what it looks like before the snap sometimes is not what it's going to look like after the snap. Yeah, Tremaine Edmonds is a big guy, rangy. And you mentioned Milano, his athleticism. What – do they do to put pressure on you in those third and long situations? Because it seems like if you're in third and long against them, yeah. third and six plus, you're not going to convert. What do they do there that's special on third down? Well, like I said, a lot of times they'll, they'll show five or six guys at the line of scrimmage like as if they're blitzing, and sometimes they'll back up out of that. So, like, you'll think you'll have man coverage, but then you actually get a, a free dropper like Tremaine Edmonds or a Matt Milano that shows that void in the middle of the field. So where you think you got a quick slant for five or six yards – 
it's not there. Or or in two man, they'll drop one of their safeties over the slot receiver, and it happens at the snap. So you're thinking, man, it's too high safety, but then it essentially becomes cover one with a free dropper. Mm -hmm. So you just have to be cognizant of that. And then with their rotation on D-line, they've been able to get after the quarterback. Now, they don't have crazy gaudy sack numbers, but they have fresh guys throughout the whole game, literally. Guys take three or four reps, and they're coming out, and the next guy's coming in. They literally rotate. I haven't seen anything like it before. They legitimately rotate nine guys on D-line throughout the game. The Jets are moving to football. Uh, doing a lot of good things offensively. Mike LaFleur has moved upstairs yeah. the last <laughs> What is he seeing differently? Obviously, he needed more plays. Yeah. Now the Jets are getting more plays, but he just seems like he's in a very much in a rhythm, in a groove. And he talks about the players playing freely. He's coaching freely. Yeah, I think it's one, right? They've had more plays. It's hard to really get into your, and we've talked about this before, get into your scripted first 15 when you're three and out, three and out, and now you're down 14 nothing. Like, you kind of throw that <laughs> that scripted 15 out the window, but when you're, you know, driving the ball and you essentially get through your first 15 in the first drive or second drive, then you feel more in tune to the game. You get in the rhythm. You know where to throw. I mean, that call, I believe it was third and 15. What was it, a throwback screen yeah. when Josh Johnson came in the game for them to get the first? Like, that was an amazing play call. Like, Mike LaFleur was in a rhythm when he called that. Like, this dude has been in the rhythm the last two weeks, and it's possibly because he can see the whole field now, now that he's up in the box, see what teams are doing. When you're downstairs, you have to kind of rely on somebody else to give you that information. But now when you're the play caller, you can see – how the the rhythm of the defensive coordinator and how he's calling the game, you can kind of combat that because you see what personnel he's putting out there compared to what you're putting out there, and you know what type of coverages he likes in certain downs and certain situations. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Mike LaFleur being upstairs, being able to see the whole field, and then just him being in a rhythm because they've actually had the plays where he's gotten into rhythm instead of just going three and out. They've had, even last week, I believe they got, what, two first downs and then had to punt it. And then the next, you know, time the offense went out, they drove the ball down the field and scored a touchdown. That's right. Yeah. So you're talking about the first routine already gone. So, like, now I'm in the rhythm. I feel what the defense is doing to me. I can combat that, and I know what to call. And do you think this is a positive dynamic that, okay, you got the rookie quarterback, mm -hmm. and now you have this kid, Mike White, a former fifth-round pick of the Dallas Cowboys a couple of years ago, is coming, he's played well, yeah. he's going to have an opportunity again. You, you never can have enough good quarterbacks. Oh, no, of what, course. But as your mind starts to wander when you <laughs> watch White, what do you think he can become? <laughs> I mean, we don't what know, it, right? We don't know. And the thing is because it's still so early in his career, and this is the first time he's starting. Could he potentially be a, a Tony Romo? Could he be a Kurt Warner? I mean, we don't know until, until we see it. But this is a good problem to have, not only because, you know, competition brings out the best in players or it should bring out the best in players, but as far as, like, just, you know, talking about the GM and upstairs, talking about having trade pieces potentially for either one of these quarterbacks down the road. Like, if Mike White continues to play like this, trust me, the league is on notice. They're watching. So if somebody wants a quarterback, potentially the Carolina Panthers in the future or, uh, well, I was going to say the Denver Broncos, but, you know, Teddy Bridgewater played really well Sunday versus the Dallas Cowboys. Like, that's a trade piece that, you know, the Jets always have in their back pocket where they could trade one of those two quarterbacks and get – help back, especially if they feel like they've locked into one of the two guys being the guy for the future. If you're Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, are you just playing this week by week right now with you, the I, quarterbacks? I, I mean, I feel you have to, but it's also a scary situation if you're the GM and head coach, right? Because <laughs> say Zach comes out, if they do play him this week, which I highly doubt, I believe Mike White will start, and he doesn't play well right away, and you know how this Jets crowd is, you know how New York is, like people are going to start screaming Mike White, and that's a lot for a rookie quarterback to deal with. So trust me, I believe that Joe Douglas and Robert Salah have thought about that situation, and, and they know. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Zach got his, got his first start on the road just in case something like that happens. Mm. I'm not saying they're going to hold him out because if he's 100% healthy, no matter if you're home or away, you have to put Zach Wilson back in the game because this is a guy you invested the number two overall pick, not just a, a first-round pick, the number two overall pick you invested in. So you have to evaluate this guy. Yes, you have to evaluate everybody else on the roster, but if this guy is supposed to be the franchise of your team, then you have to get him out there and evaluate him.
You do, but if White comes out, throws <laughs> for 300 this week. I know, I'm dealing in the hypothetical. Especially with but, the AFC. Well, I mean, always, we gotta, so so we you got, say there's a chance. We, we gotta, <laughs> no, but we have, to, we have to speak to the fans because yeah. that's on their mind. Yeah. That if he comes out and plays well this week, and then Wilson does get to that mark where he's, he's, ready, he's ready to go because here's your next couple opponents. Yeah. The Jets obviously got a big one against the Bills. Yeah. And – you know, the Jets have played well at home. We're going to get to that here in a second. But then they host Miami Dolphins, and mm-hmm. that team is 1-7 right now. And then you play the Houston Texans, who arguably – Well, they, I think they're 2-7, right, because they just won Sunday. Th- that's right. Yeah. Uh, good point. Yeah. Uh, but then you have the Houston Texans, who are arguably <laughs> one of the worst teams but, in the but, league right now. So, the funny thing is, EA, yeah, we talked about this yeah. on the, the Robert Sala show – that the Jets seem to play better when the competition is better. Like, yeah. give us all the top division teams. Like, so you're getting them. Yeah, so we got one this week yep. versus the Buffalo Bills. Um, it's always been a weird thing where, like, the Jets when they're expected to win, that's when stuff kind of falls. Because a lot of people actually picked the Jets to win versus the Colts on Thursday night. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you have to take it week by week. Unless Zach is 100 percent healthy, and only the training staff and the head coach and Zach know that. I, you don't put him out there. Like, there's no reason to put him out there until he's 100% healthy because you can't properly evaluate him until he's 100% healthy. So, I don't see any way that Mike White doesn't start this week, but we'll see going forward because both the GM and the head coach have kind of said you know, there's a premium on winning, and we're going to take this week by week. So, I just say it's just a, it's a, it's a fickle situation to be in if you're a GM and head coach. If Mike White goes out and throws for another 300 in the Bills win – and then you put Zach in the next week, and he struggles coming right out the gate, which he probably will because he, he would not have played in three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, the fans and New York are not forgiving, is all I'm going to say. And, and it's not like Mike White is a 32-year-old journeyman. I mean, yeah, he's this, a young guy. Yeah, he's 25 years old. Yeah. The Official Jets podcast is presented by WinBet. Betting is a team sport. Bet together at WinBet. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $500 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. Let's bring in Jets veteran tight end Ryan Griffin. Griff, we were just talking about it off air. How good did it feel to get back into the end zone for the first time since 2019? Oh man, it felt felt good. Uh, I was hoping it was going to come in a win, but uh, I'll take it right now. Uh, just trying to get more involved in the in the offense, and Josh put a good ball on me, and you know, luckily we could uh, convert that one, but uh, still came out with a loss. So, looking forward to to building on the momentum. Yeah, talking about Josh Johnson and, and Mike White, what have you seen from the, these two quarterbacks the last two weeks? Because it seems like the offense has been really efficient and, and been able to move the ball up and down the field. Yeah, I see two guys who are uh, confident in their in their coaching, what they've, they've been taught to, to see on the field. And these guys are going through their progressions and reads like uh, veteran quarterbacks like they are. Um, you know, just because Mike didn't get any, you know, game time per se he's still been through hundreds of practices and OTAs and I just have a a whole lot of confidence in both those guys to get the job done Griff that was quite a rope from Josh wasn't it it seemed to get on you in a hurry yeah that thing was uh steaming down the hash and those are the type of throws you got to make too uh down in the red zone when things are uh compressed and defenders are on me a lot quicker than usual in the in the uh open field so like I said, Josh just going through his reads and, and putting the ball where it should be going. And, uh, you know, we were rolling there for a little bit. Yeah, Griff, uh, talking about the Bills coming up this week, what have you seen on on film against, you know, the Buffalo Bills who come in as a highly touted defense? What are the things you think you guys need to do on offense to continue to have the success that you've had the last two weeks? I uh, definitely got to set up this run game. We got to get the run game going. Uh, you know, MC's doing a great job, you know, hitting the hole. We just got to stick with the run a little bit more, get a little bit more balanced attack going. And, you know, like I said, just these quarterbacks, just taking what's there, you know, and then uh, hopefully the, the big shots will open up later. But uh, 
I have a whole lot of confidence in this offense moving forward, and uh, you know we can definitely get this win against the Bills. What's Mike White like behind the scenes? He seems like such a cool customer. There's no doubt about that. And he played so well in his first NFL start in relief against the Patriots. And then we, Dues and I were talking about what might have been if he had stayed in that game against the Colts. Yeah, I just, uh, he's, like you said, he, he's cool uh, out there in the huddle, man. Nothing, he's very poised. Nothing can phase him. Uh, and like I said, just because, it was his first, you know, game. He's been in preseason games. You know, he's been in intense practices. Uh, you know, he's made great throws under duress. So this guy's seen it all. And, you you know, the fans or the media might not see it because it's not on Sundays. Uh, this guy has been through some serious reps and he's, he's ready, you know, and he's ready to show, you know, the world what he's got. Hey, Griff, you talked about really establishing the run versus the Buffalo Bills. What part do you and the tight ends play in that role? Because we know a lot of times you guys like to roll out in 12 personnel, you know, run the zone, run the split zone. How can you guys really help in making sure that you're effective with the run game? Uh, I take a lot of pride in, in the tight end room being, you know, at the point of attack in terms of the run game. Uh, Coach LaFleur does a great job moving us around, getting us in different spots, uh, especially with Trayvon uh, kind of being that fullback role. Uh, you know, we're outside, we're in the backfields, uh, we're in protection. We, we can do it all, you know, in, in terms of running game, just, uh, you know, hitting our landmarks and, and jumping off the ball with these old linemen. Uh, you know, it's a lot of fun when we get rolling, to be honest, with these backs hitting the hole as hard as they can with Ty and, and my MC. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to get T. Cole back, too. Uh, we're going to be we're going to be rolling. When you heard LaFleur was going back upstairs to the box, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, I've seen people make a, a big deal out of this, uh, but, you know, I, I'm on the field. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm trying to perform uh, the play that's called, whether he's on the sideline or upstairs. Even when he was on the sideline, it wasn't like I was in his ear. You know, I, I'm talking <laughs> to my coach, Ron Middleton, so I don't really get a whole lot of exposure with him, but uh, – you know, I'm all for uh, if you can see the field better, then sure, just stay upstairs, and I'll see you after the game, after the win. Let's talk about this this safety tandem for the Buffalo Bills. It was probably one of the better safety tandems in the NFL. What what kind of issues do they present for an offense when you talk about, you know, Michael Hyde and jo- Jordan Poyer? Yeah, two young, uh, really outstanding safeties who, uh, you know, have, have seen a lot of ball as well. Uh, they've seen all the route combinations and – uh, they're uh, eager and excited to fill in the run game as well. You don't really get to see that uh, very often, but uh, these two have played in the same system. It's got to be going on three, four years now. Uh, you can tell they're getting very comfortable. Uh, you know, they do a great job getting at the ball as well, uh, put, trying to punch that ball out and, and high pointing it like receivers uh, in the in the pass game. So uh, it's going to be a tough matchup for us this week, as usual. You know, it's you can't get a get a break, you know, in this league, but especially these two uh, playing at a high level. What do you make of your young team and how well they've played at home so far? Two and one, and and those wins have come against good teams: the Tennessee Titans, perhaps the best team in the AFC, and then the Cincinnati Bengals. And then you guys have struggled on the road, still looking for that first victory away from home. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we are a young team. And uh, so guys are still trying to get comfortable. Um, and I think at home with our fans, and if we get out to a hot start, these fans really make a difference, you know, coming into, uh, you know, after halftime, uh, especially with the, the Tennessee game, uh, I could tell there was some communication errors, you know, with the Titans in the second half. And that that's due to the fans. These fans – you know, they uh, missed out last year, and uh, I can tell they're happy to be back, and we're happy to have them back. Yeah, talking about hot starts, how do you guys continue to start fast as you've had the last two weeks, you know, versus the Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, then also, you know, this last Thursday game versus the Colts? How do you guys continue to, to continue to start fast? Because we knew that was a struggle in the beginning of the year in the first couple of weeks. Yeah, like I said, uh, we're a young team, so these guys are getting the message. I think uh, Coach Sala and Coach LaFleur have really been trying to hammer that home. Uh, you know, we know what to expect the first drive. You know, just go out there and execute. Uh, 
you know, and uh, while we are young, these guys are, you know, they're getting their stripes, they're getting their pelts uh, pretty early on here. So these guys are making plays, and uh, you love to see guys getting better week to week. And uh, I think that's what we're doing, and hopefully we can, you know, taking it to this next week at home against a, you know, a divisional opponent. It's going to be very important for us to get off to a hard start. What's a solid lead meeting like, Brian? Uh, he keeps it interesting. You know, some of the, some of these coaches I've had, you know, you kind of know what to expect. But Coach Sala, he can come up with some film from practice, the game, other games we haven't even watched before. Uh, he's got the uh, the basketball hoop in the team meeting room just in case, uh, you know, we got to decide something on a shootout. Uh, you know, there's some stories that might not even have to do with football. Uh, Coach Sala, he's just – he's got great energy. Uh, he's got great messaging. And, uh, you know, he's got these young guys playing well. And, uh, you know, I'm so excited to be here and be a part of it. Have you been involved in any of those shootouts? <laughs> and how have you done? What's your jump shot? No. Like? <laughs> no, no, no. Luckily, uh, he kind of – he keeps it to, like, rookies or coaches. Uh, so <laughs> I've, I've avoided the embarrassment of putting up an air ball. Unlike some of these other guys, uh, their jump shot's pretty broke. Uh, you get to figure that out <laughs> real quick. But, uh, no, it, it's fun just even watching this shootout. It's like a knockout style, 30 seconds. Uh, try to hit as many uh, three-pointers as you can. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's competition too. You know, these guys getting after each other in every facet of, of the game. So uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and uh, I'm happy Coach Salah brought the, the basketball hoop into the team meeting room. Well, I actually played for him in, in 2017, and something that he was notorious for was, like, brain teasers. Do you guys do any of that in the team meeting room where you break up into groups and it's, like, tight ends versus the O-line and tight ends versus the running backs as far as, like, a, a question on, like, a little riddle on the, on the screen or anything like that? Yeah, exactly. It's it's more like riddles, right? So, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> yeah, hit us with some, uh, yeah, some brain teasers. And, like, if this is true, this it's like I'm studying for the SATs again sometimes. Uh, but uh, it's a whole lot of fun. And, that again, he keeps it fresh. You know, yeah. something to be said, this season gets long. And uh, especially when, you you know, you're losing, sometimes it's hard to see the light. But uh, I, the energy's just been great this whole season. And, uh, again, I, I can't wait to get back out there and, and, and play at a high level again. So Salah, probably an A student in logic then, I assume. <laughs> and by the way, he's got a good stroke himself. I've been involved in a couple of shootouts with him before we taped for our television segment. And he's a big guy, and that ball comes <laughs> off his hands smooth. Pops off his mitt. Yeah, yeah. Good release. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to see him in the post, that's for sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, hey, let me ask you about the development of – Rookie tight end Kenny Yaboa, obviously uh, uh, coming out of Mississippi, Elijah Moore's teammate. Uh, he had that big preseason game against the Philadelphia Eagles. What's he been like, and how have you tried to help him? Because you've been through this for a number of years. Yeah, Kenny's been great. Uh, I'll just say he's he's going to be a you know a great player in this league. Uh, you know he he's learning the ropes right now, but. Uh, that might come to an end here quickly with uh, TK out. Uh, we'll see what what happens with him. But uh, in the meeting room, you know, he's he's he pays attention very well, uh, asks all the right questions, um, and then when he gets on the field, you can see exactly the potential that he has. Um, really excited for the future that he has here with the Jets, and uh, I'm excited to see him, you know, on Sundays as well. Put put all that potential out there and show the world what's got. Griff, you talked about, you know, trying and ready to be back on the field because, you know, you guys played on the Thursday. So it'll be 10 days since you played. What is the energy like in the locker room? Is everybody just, you know, fighting at the bit to get back on the field, especially coming off a loss and it being the whole 10 days before you played again? Yeah, for sure. Uh, guys are definitely getting healthy. Those These Thursday night games uh, take, take a toll on your body. And, and while we're young, I think uh, – I saw a lot of guys in here this this past weekend getting treatment and trying to get their bodies back, you know, for this big divisional game. Uh, we're we're excited to get back out there. Like I said, you know, especially offensively, felt like we just ran out of time that, uh, at the end there. But uh, excited to get back on the field. Uh, even tomorrow, you know, we got a big practice tomorrow and uh, take it day by day. But uh, I know the teams are going to be ready to go on Sunday. And, and lastly, we've asked you about 
Mike White. I, I wanted to ask you about uh, Zach Wilson. How do you think he's handled all the pressure that comes with being the number two overall selection? Unfortunately, goes down with the knee injury. Uh, it seems to have a lot of positivity about him. Yeah, that's just who he is. I think he's he's a real positive guy, and uh, you know he always wants what's best for the team. And you know I've seen him in the training room. You know, getting his treatment in, and uh, you know just learning. I think he's just. Uh, studying the game on the sidelines and that's all you can ask from him right now he's he's trying to get back healthy but so uh, in the meantime he's he's still a you know a student of his position and uh, I think that's what's going to make him great great stuff Griff uh, we got to ask you though since you got in the end zone last week um, yeah. you got any you got any celebrations planned for your next touchdown yeah, I, I got some lined up, but uh, I, I didn't want to pull it out, you know, down by 20 plus. So uh, hopefully, you know, next time I get in the end zone, it's it's going to be in crunch time. And, you know, I can show everybody, uh, you know, sticky hands didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Any hints to what it might be? I don't know if the ball is going to leave my hand. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> might, might be uh, a little stuck. We'll see All right. We'll can. be watching out for that Sunday. Hey, Griff, right. Thank you cool, so guys. much for joining us. Appreciate All right, you. appreciate it, guys. See ya. WinBet is now live in New Jersey, and they're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports, from boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport. They have what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a special offer, risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. WinBet, an official sportsbook and gaming partner of the New York Jets. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in New Jersey. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117. When you look at the landscape of the National Football League, they always say any given Sunday. I True. think this last week was a great example. 100%. Just, yeah, <laughs> we use the word maybe too much, but there is parity in this league. Oh, 100%. And literally, like, if you don't show up and you're not ready, you will get taken to the woodshed. We saw that the Dallas-Denver Denver game. They were down 30 to nothing. At one point, we saw it with the that Las, game was in Dallas. Yes, we saw it with the Las Vegas Raiders and the New York Giants, who people who had took to the you know they put them on the the, the the trash dump and said they were done. Big win for them, Jacksonville, Buffalo Bills. Like, and honestly, you know, you know what? Not enough people, a lot of people aren't talking about enough. This is the year of the backup quarterback. If you look at it right, so what happened in Arizona and San Francisco? Colt McCoy comes out there. Colt McCoy and just comes out there and cooks. The San Francisco 49ers. We saw what Mike White did versus the Cincinnati Bengals. We saw what Josh Johnson did, even though they didn't win, versus you know the Indianapolis Colts. We saw what Cooper Rush did versus the Minnesota Vikings. Like this is the year of the backup. Trevor Simeon, what he did not this past week, but the week before, getting a win once Jameis Winston gets hurt. Mm -hmm. So like the backup quarterbacks and and my good friend Darius Butler. Um, who played nine years in the NFL for the Indianapolis Colts mostly and the New England Patriots, he said, he tweeted this the other day, he's like, being a backup is harder than a starter. And in some ways I get that because when you're the starter, yeah, there's pressure on you, but you know that's your job unless you're in New England because they'll, they'll bench you quick. <laughs> but most other places it's going to take you a couple games of not performing for you to get benched. But when you're the backup, like you literally have to be ready to start, plus be ready for all four phases of special teams and then they expect you to play at a high level when you get in the game, no matter how many first-team reps you got that week. Like, mm -hmm. So I understand why he put that. And we've seen this year how some of these backups have been prepared and ready, you know, when, when they've been called upon and they've actually executed. So, you know, kudos to the backup quarterbacks. I just wanted to give a shout-out to them. No, uh, How about that from my old defensive lineman? Yeah. So as we sit here, basically at the season's midway point, is it status quo? Are the defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers still the team to beat? You never know. Each week is different, <laughs> man. Like, so, like, who's the best team in the AFC? I've, I've said Tennessee for a while. And I think even without Derrick Henry, the way that defense is playing out, I think this is what Mike Vrabel envisioned. I like defense. the way they pressure the quarterback. Yeah, so, like, they were, like, dead last in getting to the quarterback last year. So, what does he do? He gets the Nico Autry, to me, is the most underrated player in the NFL. Not just, you know, skill, but just, like, Underrated, most underrated player in the NFL does not get enough respect for what he does. I mean, he balled at Oakland. This is before they moved to Vegas. Then he balled with the Colts, and he balled so well with the Colts that Tennessee was like, shoot, we got to sign him from the Colts. Right. And he's just played at an elite level. 
they you know they they got Jeffrey Simmons in the first round and he's playing you know after he had the knee injury coming out but now you could tell that he's finally healthy and he's playing a, like the Pro Bowl caliber player that he is. Uh, you know, Bud Dupree is starting to come around from the ACL, and Harold Landry's going to get $150 million from He's somebody. crazy explosive. I mean, I mean, Jets, he's a free agent. <laughs> I, I don't know if they'll let him leave. They might franchise him. But he's playing out of this world right now. So when you're able to pressure the quarterback with four, it just makes it so much easier. It kind of hides some of the deficiencies in the secondary that they've had. They had so many injuries in that secondary, but you would not know it because that defensive line has literally taken over. Where in the beginning of the year, they were struggling. They couldn't get to the quarterback. Now – no offensive line can stop them. Like, that performance on Sunday Night Football was one for the ages for that defensive line. And we saw them also affect the Colts the week before. So, I just think, to me, they – They play and, with a great physicality. Yeah, take on the mindset so, of the coach. You know what they're going to get every week. one of the last few coaches that, that coach old school and, and they're like, toughness is going to win you games. Like, and I love that. I would love to play for a guy like yeah. that. Like, because, one, he's an ex-player, so he's been there. So, he knows, even though he came from the New England mantra – but he knows because he was an ex-player, and he still coaches with that grit, that fight, that hunger, and the players have really taken on that mantra. And then, you know, I would say you have to say the Ravens, which I I was high on, would probably be the next best team in the AFC. But it literally changes from week to week. Like you never know. There might be a team that get in, gets into the playoffs in the AFC at nine, nine and eight. Is that right? Seventeen, eight, yeah, nine, nine and eight. eight. So I would not be surprised. Could even be a team like the Kansas eight, City Chiefs or something or, like or that. Or even eight and nine could potentially get – because every week it's like it's something, right? And then those games are probably going to be close too once I, we start getting to the postseason. Exactly. So now, like, you look at the NFC, and to me, I literally had just did a top five list for CBS Sports and my top five <laughs> NFC teams. Four to five – well, the, the the I mean, the Bucks were on by. But three out of the top five lost on Sunday. So, like, I literally had – my number five team was the Tampa Bay Bucks. And, yes, they had just come off the loss from the New Orleans, you know, Trevor Simeon, New Orleans Saints. Yep. But I'm like, you still got time terrific. And they proved last year they don't need home field advantage to win anywhere. That defense is going to start getting a little bit healthier. The secondary members are starting to come back. So they'll be all right. And then at number four, I had the Arizona Cardinals. And I was like, you know, what happened to them last year seems like it's happening again this year. They were 6-3. and Then Kyler Murray started getting banged mm. up a little bit. They started having some injury bugs. They struggled stopping the run. But then with the backup quarterback, they go to San Francisco, stop the run, get after the quarterback, and run for like 200 yards with James Conner. James Conner. Because Chase Edmonds gets hurt and isn't even in the game. And Conner just you know, goes back into the time machine. It goes back to like his first year at Pittsburgh and just went crazy. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, are they the best team now? And then at three, I had Green Bay, which I think Green Bay is still a really good team. They, they lost the game without Aaron Rodgers. So to me, they're still a top three or top two team in the NFC. Then I had the Dallas Cowboys, and we saw what happened to them. Like, that defense no was nowhere to be found, and that offense was nowhere to be found. And then the number one team I was like has to be the L.A. Rams with the acquisition of Von Miller. Now, he didn't play Sunday, and would that have made a big difference? You know, maybe, possibly. But the way that Tennessee won that game was their defense. It wasn't it had nothing to do with Von Miller. Like, the defense had a pick six, another pick. Like, Von Miller – couldn't have changed that outcome. <laughs> like, I, I, so. th I think these teams have elite quarterbacks, and sometimes they feel like, and we've talked about yeah. this, they got to put the ball in their hands. No. Case in point, Matt Stafford, who's phenomenal. I've but, never but, seen him play like that. That, that but, was baffling. To but me. there's still, you're not running the football like yeah. you used to there. Exactly. Well, I mean, and the crazy thing is, you know, Henderson has played really well. With right. It, but. For some reason, he was coming out, and I and I didn't get this right. I you get, I got you got you got the franchise quarterback. You always wanted, but you've won so many games this year because you've been balanced on offense. Like Henderson has been able to run the ball. If like run the football, they came out in that game, EA, and we're going five wide. Like Tennessee's D line wasn't like that. No, like, they they got welcome to the party real quick, and they realized it, but it was too late. They right. got punched in the mouth. Deuce midseason MVP. Give me one. Who you got? I had Kyler Murray, but with the injury and then also how they played on that Thursday night and lost to um, – who did they lose to again on that, that Thursday? Oh, Green, Green Bay. Bay. It was Green Bay Packers. Without their top three receivers, I would have to say it's Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, Jackson right? I, Nobody's – like, if you're talking about value, there's nobody that's more valuable to their team than Lamar Jackson. Like, every week this guy finds a way, even when he isn't playing his best, he finds a way to put the team on his back. They're in a life and, and death struggle every week to win games. And he comes through every yeah. week. So, like, the disrespect has to be out the window now with Lamar Jackson. To me, he is the front runner. He literally could win the MVP probably every year if 
if voters were smart because nobody does more for their team than Lamar Jackson. And, like, to me, they're probably – them and Tennessee have to be the top AFC teams, and that could change in a week or so. Yeah. We don't know. But, to me, then it would have to be probably Colin Murray after that, then A.A. Ron, and then Tom. I love watching Watt from Pittsburgh yeah. uh, play. But – uh, Lamar, to, uh, to me, still Miles Garrett right now is the front runner for defensive player of the year. Okay. You have to you have to put him as the front runner. I mean, leads the league in sacks right now, and it's just purely dominant. And like the things he does against the double team is ridiculous. He's not a human being. All right, Lamar Jackson, midseason MVP. You heard that from us. Yeah. We thank Ryan Griffin for joining us on the official Jets podcast. Before we get out of here, give me an X factor on each side of the ball for the Jets against the Bills. So against the, I'm gonna go two on defense, right? It's it's got, it's a group of the defensive tackles. Like the the Bills guards have struggled this year, and and with Feliciano being out with injury on IR, you know Cody Ford and and 65 from the Bills have have really struggled. So I'm looking at Ike Quinn, Bunker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking at Quentin Williams, you know Sheldon Rankins and Foley. This this is your game this week, like 100. Um, percent You guys struggled, you know, against you know the the Colts in the run game. But this is a week where they're going to drop back and pass the ball. So it's it's your week to shine. Like, go get it. And then on offense, I, I'm going to have to say it's uh, – I'm was i going back and forth between Corey Davis and we don't know if Tyler Croft will be ready to go or not. I know he got banged up in the game. Yeah, I think he might be out. But, uh, you, you know, I, I'm not trying to lead the witness here, but you just mentioned – Teron Johnson possibly being out being for, out. for the so, Bills. So are so you are Crowder, you looking inside? I was going to say Crowder or Elijah Moore is going to be big this game, being able to attack him. But also in that cover too, just like last week, being able to attack down the seam. So I was maybe going to throw Tyler Crawford in, but maybe it's Ryan Griffin who, you know, we just talked to. So maybe that's, I would say, a combination between Crowder, Moore, and Griffin is the guy. I think it's going to be fun, though. Do you, do you anticipate both teams to come out with their hair on fire? I mean, the Bills got to be embarrassed. They consider themselves an elite team. And then yeah. you're looking at the Jets, who had 10 days to lick their wounds after what happened in Indianapolis yeah. and their home. Yeah, you got to be hungry if you're the Jets, right? You've had to stew in that loss for 10. There's nothing worse than stewing in a loss for 10 days and then realizing, man, I don't get to play football for 10 more days. I really have to eat this loss. So they should come out with their hair on fire. They'll be at home. The crowd will be raucous. Um, you know, it seems like Mike White's going to start. So it's, it's going to be a fun atmosphere. We'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday. All right. We'll have to see what happens on Sunday. As Dude said, we'll see you next week.